Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What's going on, CEOs? De Niro will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we're here with Chris Major. Chris is the founder of the Human Potential Project. He's also a dynamic speaker and an Amazon bestselling author. He is a unique blend of entrepreneurial, corporate, and educational expertise, and he has spearheaded transportive projects for major companies like Nike and a lot more. He has shared his insights with the Marines, the Special Forces, and elite sports teams, making him a sought-after expert in performance enhancement and leadership strategy. I'm very excited for this chat. Let's get right into it. Chris, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for being here today. I'm very excited. I ask every single one of my guests to tell me a bit more about themselves. So, Chris, what is your story? What made you become an entrepreneur? (laughs) Well, uh, the easiest way to explain it is uh, providence. It's not like I had some big ambition to be an entrepreneur. I was born and bred to be a Ford dealer. You know, my grandfather started a Ford dealership in in our hometown. My dad had it. I was the third generation next in line. When I was 18 and full of myself, as we are at that age, I said to my dad, I I just can't see myself wearing a white belt, white shoes and selling Pintos. That didn't go over well. So I went off to the university, did a master's degree. I was a rugby player for, for almost 12 years. And finally, about the time I hit 30, I had the conversation with myself that it, maybe it's time to grow up and get serious about you know, all this stuff. But I'd, I'd been working, I'd, I'd worked in, in uh, as an executive assistant to the county executive, part of his staff. I'd worked in a couple of big companies part-time. And I just went, this just doesn't feel like me, right? I don't know what it is that I want to do, but this isn't it. And I was studying Aikido. I met a guy who was a sports psychologist. He was fascinating. We were just young and naive enough to know it was impossible. And we started a business working exclusively with athletes. Uh, I'd been a rugby player. He was a world-class skier. Uh, He was a sports psychologist who was working on advanced performance methodologies. I'd had plenty of experience in that realm. We started building a body of work for athletes, turned our attention to teams, and that eventually morphed into the corporate world. And we've been at it for... 30 some years now. Wow. What a story. First off, I want to say that it's very interesting. Every time I ask that question, what made you become an entrepreneur? Everybody has a bit of a different story, but it all spawns from the fact that we know right away or throughout the process of discovering that we're not a good fit for being an employee. And then from there, we're like, okay, what's next? And so that's very interesting. But the fact that you transitioned from from working with athletes and teams to the corporate world is actually not surprising because I worked in in corporate quite a bit before I opened my own business. And one of the biggest similarities that I had with my sales team was exactly that, just the team dynamics and the motivation and, and all that great stuff. 
And I know that you're doing fantastic work with your business and you've done some great work for big companies in the past. And so here at the Remote Seal, we're all about building remote teams that are successful, motivated, and productive. And so if we were to look at the dynamics of any team, um, especially at the early stages, our listeners are building companies that are going from maybe like two to 15 or 15 to 50. What mm -hmm. are the biggest uh, mistakes, so to speak, that you find when you start working with a corporation or with a small, medium-sized business that they're doing when they're assembling these teams and, and organizing them? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I'll, I'll get to the answer, but I'm going to kind of take you around the garden here a little bit. I think first we need to understand that most companies don't really understand in, in, in reality what a team is or how it really works. And we tend to fall back on sports or military analogies. And the problem is those don't fit in the corporate world, right? So... You know, this was part of our transition out of working with athletes and into the corporate world. We've been doing all this work with the Army and the Special Forces. And, I, and I'd said to my guys, you know, look, we've had the opportunity to develop a body of work that's proven effective in two arenas where performance matters and where you can measure it. First yeah. with athletes, then with soldiers. While doing the work with soldiers was the most amazing stuff we ever did, the process of getting to do it, the, the military's contracting process was so odious that I, I just can't, you know, I'd have to hire 10 people just to keep up with all the paperwork and stuff, and I don't want to do that. So like I said, we're going to turn our attention to business, and then the challenge here is actually going to be bigger than what we've been doing. And they all looked at me like I was nuts, and I said, I don't mean physically challenging, but think about it. In the corporate world, there's no timeout. There's no spring training. There's no stand down. There's no off season. And on any given team, there's a vast gap in the level of competence and commitment on the part of the players. Yeah. So how do we work in that environment? Because unlike the athletic world where, you know, the game, it starts and it ends. It's really clear. Business is an ongoing game, yeah. right? Unless you've really, really, really screwed up your company, it doesn't end. You know, if you're doing it, it's going to get, you know, so forth. So we have to understand the real nature of teams. And and it's not about, oh, we all got the same logo and, you know, all that happy clappy stuff. It has to do with the fundamental phenomenon that holds teams together. And that's a set of commitments. And that's where most people go astray, right? They don't understand that commitment is not an activity-based phenomenon. Or excuse me, the team is not an activity-based phenomenon. It's a commitment-based phenomenon. And... We did this work for years, understanding underlying commitments and, and boiled them down to eight, right? And the first and foremost one, and this is important when you're talking about a remote team, you've got to have a commitment to the shared values, vision, mission of the team. So that's the thing that really holds teams together when they're spread out all over. It's one thing when we've got them all in the same location, but it's a different beast altogether when they're spread out all over the country, all over the planet. So you need to spend a lot of time up front and particularly in your hiring process is getting really clear with people. Here's what we're up to. Here's why we're doing what we're doing and make sure that that aligns with somebody. You're not just getting somebody who wants a job, right? Uh, That's where you get all the turnover and the, you know, the flaky behavior. You got to find somebody who's actually as committed to your mission, probably never be as committed as you are if you run the company, right? Cause it's your company, but who actually has some ownership for what you're up to. Yeah. And then the second practice, and this is equally important, is you have to have a commitment to build and sustain trust. 
because trust is the glue that holds all teams together, right? And in our world, trust isn't a feeling, which is unfortunately how most people treat it, mm -hmm. right? You know, they, they tend to treat trust as a, as a feeling or a thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, I gave De Niro my trust, but he broke it. And now I'm taking it back. And he's going to have to earn it going forward. Well, you know, nice, but it doesn't work that way. Right? Trust isn't a thing. Or we treat it like a feeling. Oh, I feel like I can trust him. But, you know, what do we know about your feelings? They're like the weather, right? <laughs> Subject to change without notice. It's true. So that's not that's not the kind of foundation that you can build anything on. So for us, trust is a, it's an operational thing. It's not a moralistic thing. It's simply an assessment that I make of your sincerity, competence, reliability. Okay. And my job as a team member is to constantly enhance trust between myself, my teammates, and whoever the team leader is. See, in the old days. And then and when we had everybody in the office, it was the manager's job to kind of keep track of everything and supervise. In the remote work world, you can't do that. So you've got to have practices for building the sustaining trust. And I, as the employee, have to understand that my main trafficking element is the trust that my teammates have in me. And it's up to me to maintain that, not my manager. Mm, okay. So every time I tell my manager I'm going to do something, it's up to me to keep track of, did I do it? Did I get it done on time, et cetera? Otherwise, you fall back into that old management equals supervision mode. And that's a relic of a bygone era. But that we're still as too many, too often companies are stuck in that old style of what we call industrial era thinking about what management is. Okay. Probably it's, more than you wanted there. <laughs> no, it's good, Anders. I'm, I'm trying to keep track of all the follow-up questions that I have. So I want to talk about what you just said, for sure, about super, supervisor versus manager and the old school style of supervision, whereas management, I do want to know what that means to you and, and, and with your program, how you, you use that differentiation to increase productivity, well-being with sure. your but before we get there, I wanted to ask you trust. So going back to trust in say, and, and going back to the fact that you said that sports teams and, and, and the, uh, the army and, 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 uh, and corporate, although they all have teams, they are different. What comes to mind when, when I think about trust and, and I've watched a, a very good documentary, don't remember the name now about the army and how without trust, if you have a group of soldiers fighting together without trust, they, they wouldn't be able to really function, right? Because if right. you go and you go ahead and someone is trying to to watch her back, you got to know like for sure that they're doing their job. Right. And so how's that, how can you bring, even though they're different, but how can you bring that same level of accountability, personal accountability to a team in an, in an environment, like in an office where it's not a matter of life or death, but it is a matter of success or failure. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's a good question. So let's let's take it apart a little bit. So in the military, as you said, trust is essential because if I don't have trust that you're going to watch my back, I'm going to constantly be you know we're not going to be an effective fighting unit. And to document that point, they've done a number of studies that the units that go through training together, so they've all been together for a while. Then they get deployed in the field. They they engage with the enemy, and they'll take. I'm making up numbers now. Let's say it's a it's a little little squad of twelve guys. 
where two of them get shot, right? We bring in two replacements. From that point forward, over 90% of the casualties in that unit come from the replacements. Really? Yeah, because they don't have that same connection, that level of trust connected to the rest of the team. Now, in the business world, we used to have everybody all together in the same place at the same time. Right now, one of the phenomenon that we kind of tend to forget is that we're human beings. Right, we have bodies. Our bodies have needs of their own. Go back biologically, humans are pack animals, not herd, but pack. Okay, and the pack operates based on trust. So it's easier for me to build trust with people when I'm in close proximity to them, and I can, you know, kind of get a feel for who they are and all that sort of stuff. But there's a whole lot of stuff going on at a somatic level that we're unconscious of in terms of that. Now, when we spread people out all over the country, that gets much more challenging to build. And so what you're watching now, and I don't think it's necessarily conscious, is in this remote work movement, there's still a huge, huge pressure to put people back together again at least some time. Yeah. They have some physical proximity with each other. And it isn't about so we can communicate, and it's all about how do we build that kind of somatic, somatic means mind-body um, connection with each other that enables and enhances the trust that's essential for us to work effectively. Uh, okay. Believe it or not, and like actually you probably believe this, that almost 90% of my guests that obviously own remote mm. businesses they tell me that they need to do at least twice a year some sort of an in-person meeting. Yeah, they do. If they said they said always say, you know, have have a nimble team, have them spread all over the world, whatever it is. But as soon as you have some sort of a budget to get them in one room together for a couple of days, do that. It will change completely the way that people will relate to each other, even five, six, seven months down the road. That one night that they spend together, maybe like having a couple of drinks or eating some food together or going to going for a walk somewhere, like whatever it is, that time that they spend together is going to strengthen that relationship mm-hmm. for the long run. And that's fantastic. Now I do want to keep t- on time because we only have about seven minutes left. And that question that I wanted to ask you was the difference between a supervisor, the old school supervisor and mm-hmm manager so what is the role of a manager nowadays especially now the teams like you said are located right, right. well i don't want to go on at length here so let me see if i can sum this up what we really have to understand is there's been a historical epical shift out in the business world and most people have missed it right we've transitioned out of the industrial era and people t- started talking about oh it's all about knowledge i said no no there's no no knowledge workers there what we're, there's what we call coordination workers we've transitioned into what i call the coordination era okay now think about this you have to get the history here so this makes any sense what we think of as modern management practices were invented developed by people who were born in the 1800s They were designed to be effective for Henry Ford and his peers as they ushered in the industrial era, right? In the early 1900s, when all the mass production was just getting started, the challenge that managers were facing was really simple. How do we take uneducated, unskilled, unsophisticated farm workers, day laborers, turn them into productive factory workers? The solution they came up with was simple. 
One, de-skill the work. Okay, so you might have been a really wonderful, talented Italian leather worker guy who made, you know, stuff for horse-drawn carriages on a one-off basis. Here, we're going to make a seat cover. You're going to make a thousand of them. They're all going to be the same. And we're going to yeah. put them on the car. And, and if you don't like that, too bad. Yeah. Because in those days, there was no social safety net, right? Yeah. So you didn't work, you didn't eat. We'd like to help you out. Which way did you come in? Yeah. Right? Flash forward to today. The workforce is educated, sophisticated, and on top of that, mobile, which is why we've got remote work, right? Largely enabled by technology, but we've got a whole different type of workforce. And these workers, most of them don't make things, but where they produce value as out of their effective coordination with each other. That's yeah. the phrase coordination workers, right? So yeah. it's their effective yeah. capacity to coordinate with each other that enables them to produce value for customers, whether that customer's internal or external. Yeah. So in today's world, one does not, a, a good manager is not managing people's activities. That's supervision, right? Educated, sophisticated people don't like anybody staring over their shoulder, telling them what to do. It pisses them off, right? Yeah. So instead, what you want to learn to do is be a manager of commitments, right? What are the commitments that my team has made? How do we track those what's the practices that we have for tracking managing commitments once a quote manager can make that transition and begin to understand that what he's up to is managing commitments not activities his whole world changes right and so does that of the worker because he doesn't have to worry about some little nit noise sitting on his shoulder keeping track of his time card wondering how much time he spent on you know watching keystrokes and all that ridiculous control stuff that people hate yeah, 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 yeah. But then, then so the other side of that is the burdens on me, the worker, to do what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Right? The smart manager says, "Okay, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, and here's the timeline, and here's our standards for how we do that." So in the beginning, yeah, I'll spend a little more time with the guy, making sure he understands how we do things, et cetera, et cetera. But then it's up to me to do what I said I was going to do. It's not up to my manager to keep track of it. That's how I build a career is on the consistent fulfillment of my promises. That's how you build power in an organization. Yeah, absolutely. That That's very interesting and eye-opening. And one way that I think if I can distill some take a takeaway from this is that instead of managing the day-to-day, -day, you, man you, you kind of hold people accountable to their goals and to what they were meant to do when they started that position. Right. So if, if I'm a manager and I've got, you're working for me and I've given you, you know, we're really clear, here's what your commitments are, blah, 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 blah. And you get it done in three days and we thought it was going to take five I don't care. Why would I care? <laughs> I, I got I got what I got needed. Now, you know, now what you'll run into then is the is the worker who goes, well, I, I don't want to do that because then they'll just give me more to do, you know, to fill up that extra time. Like, well, maybe so. But in, in the end, what you're looking at is how do I continue to enhance my career? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and and it's like yeah. my promises. And I think also it's very important to understand that uh, when you're when, when people think about the supervisor, they always think about the person that works with negative reinforcement and right. on, you know, you didn't come on time. You didn't finish your job on time. Exactly what, right. What, All they do is look now, what's wrong. Three days. Maybe I'm going to give, give you a bit more work, but guess what? You're probably up for a, a pay increase or right. a promotion. Or a bonus. Yeah. We'll bonus give you a bonus. Right? Exactly. Right. 
So the old style supervisor, as you said, they were always looking for what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and very, very, very stingy with praise for anything. Today's manager, it's almost the other thing or other way around. I need to be looking for what's right. Reinforce that because that then in, in gets people more inspired to do more, to be more involved. Nobody likes to be told what's wrong or you're late, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, complete unproductive bullshit. Yeah, 100%. That's a management term we use. (laughs) Chris, it was great having you on the show. Before we go, though, first off, is there anything exciting coming down the pike that you want to share with our audience, business-related? or? I got a hot date tomorrow night, but that's probably not what you had in mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But anything with, like, uh, programs that you are bringing to, like, smaller businesses? I know you work with big businesses in the past. We've, We've taken... 30 years of experience in large-scale corporate America and distilled it now into this, this remote workers kind of cultural and performance enhancement program. It's it's, it's an app-supported program so that you can be anywhere on the planet and do it. And we're having a good time getting this thing up and firing up. You can go check it out at uh, majorfactor.com. And awesome. uh, so we're having a good time with that. And yeah, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll spare you all the details about my hot date, so. <laughs> that's fantastic listen um i'm sure that my listeners want to know more about you and and your business so where can people find you online well it's simple once again you can go to majorfactor.com or you can look at our our old historical website the human potential project which is humanpotentialproject.com and that'll tell you everything you need to know more about what we've been doing for 30 years that is fantastic. Again, Chris, I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. And this thanks. is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again and I will talk to you again soon.